0: A few uh, years ago I did a, a, a sermon called What Is Your So? It's available on online and, and uh, you can go look that up if you wanted to listen to that. But it was uh, based around the, uh, John 3.16 and the, the verse we all know, we're all really familiar with, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that word so is a very meaningful, important word. It's God so loved the world. God, in this way, loved the world. What way did he love the world? That he sent his only son to die for the sins of the world. And we ask the question, what is your soul? Because God has so loved me, I will so love others. Because God has loved me in this way, by sending his son to die on the cross, In my place, then I will, in this way, love others. This is what what, uh, John is talking about here in this verse. In verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Since God, in this way, loved us by sending his son to die on the cross for us, then we ought to, in this same way, love one another. Because God has so loved me, I will so love others could do a lot of things with that phrase, because God has, I will, because God has saved me, I will never be the same, because God has loved me, I will live my life for his glory. But as we look forward as a church into the coming year and and what we want our church to look like, I kind of have a pretty specific picture in mind. I want to start by explaining something, and if I'm flipping back and forth through my notes, it was I wasn't quite sure what order to take when I was sharing this, and so I'm just trusting that that God is going to lead me back and forth, and uh, that I won't miss anything important, and hopefully it'll all make sense at the end. But as as the last couple of years have gone by, I've I've been saying this phrase, and you know you've heard me and us say it. We've we've said, well, we're not trying to be a mega church, and. Um, that's a true statement. We, that, that is not what is driving us as a church. We're not trying to be a megachurch. But at the, same thing, at the same time, as I've been doing a lot of thinking about it, that's really kind of the wrong way to be phrasing who we're trying to be as a church. We shouldn't be phrasing who we're trying to be as a church based on what or who we're not trying to be. We need to base our idea, our vision of, of being a church on who God has called us to be. And so being a megachurch, that's not our focus, that's true, we're not focused on being a megachurch, but I'm afraid now at this point that we have allowed that thinking to uh, kind of excuse the need for us to reach outside of our church, that, that you know, okay, well, we're not trying to be a megachurch, so we're okay with, with, you know, whoever's here is here and we're just gonna, not going to try to bring anyone new in. And if that's the kind of thinking that's resulted of that, as that, of that statement, then, then I need to do some correction. I have led you poorly in that. So we're not going to say that anymore. And if you catch me saying that, you can feel free to come up after the service and smack me. I give you permission to smack me. Just not on my face. You know, you can smack me on my shoulders or something, punch me if, if I say that phrase anymore. And I want that phrase to be out of our vocabulary because that's not important. It's not important what other churches are doing when we contrast that with our church. I know that sounds bad. It's important what they're doing in building up the kingdom, but our comparison to them is unimportant. So what are we trying to do? Who are we trying to be as a church? Well, to understand what we're trying to be, we need to go, I wanna read a scripture for you, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 through 21. You don't have this one on the screen. I just want to read this one and, and explain a few things for you from it. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 14 says, "For Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us." Mary Day, who used to go here before she died, she lived across the street she, and after we, I preached a sermon on this passage, she said, "Christ's love compels us and the Holy Spirit." propels us. And that's always going to be in my mind when I read this passage, her telling me that. For Christ's love compels us, the Holy Spirit propels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all. Why did he die? That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. He died so that those who live, the reason he died for us, that that we who live, who put our faith in him, would not live for ourselves, but would live for him who died for us and was raised. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. If you were going to memorize seven verses, I would tell you to memorize those seven verses. Christ's love compels us God made Christ who knew no sin to be sin. He became our sin and paid the price for our sin on the cross even though he knew no sin. But Christ's love compels us. What does Christ's love compel us to do? Not only to not live our lives for ourselves, but it compels us that that we should not regard anyone from a worldly point of view, at least especially within the kingdom of God. We're not looking at one another as though worldly, we're looking at one another as though eternal, how would it change our perspective if we started looking not only at one another but at those who don't yet know Christ as though they are eternal that their eternity is not yet settled and and they are still unsure whether they will spend eternity with savior or eternity where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth how would it change our perspective He has committed us this message of reconciliation. Our message that we as ambassadors are to carry to the world is reconciliation. There are a lot of practical ways reconciliation could play out. Of course, we can talk about racial reconciliation and all of those things. But the biggest reconciliation that people need is to be reconciled to God, which is what Paul says in the next verse. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ, we become the righteousness because of the work that Christ did for us. The old is gone, the new is here. God has entrusted this message to us, but we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal to the lost of the world through us. I've been thinking a lot about this idea of ambassador, and I did some research on it. Uh, there's some interesting, interesting history in that Paul is bringing this term in, and I think it's only used once or twice in the New Testament, maybe twice, and it's this idea that Paul is talking about, Um, I don't, it's legatus, legatus, L-E-G-A-T-U-S, I think that's Latin, was also a term for an ambassador of the Roman Republic, who was appointed by the Senate for a mission to a foreign nation, as well as for ambassadors who came to Rome from other countries, So this phrase, we are ambassadors, therefore, on behalf of Christ, says the proper term in the Greek um, is east for the emperor's, I should have taken that part out. So Paul has a natural pride in using this dignified term for himself and all ministers. By the way, that's not just me, that's all of us. We all have the ministry Of reconciliation, that makes you a minister of reconciliation. The ambassador, this is interesting, has to be persona grata with both countries. The one that he represents and the one to which he goes. Paul was Christ legate, or however you say that, legate, legate, I don't know. To act in his behalf, Paul was Christ's ambassador to act in his behalf and in his stead. Here God speaks through Christ's ambassador. Be reconciled to God. Get reconciled to God and do it now. And this is the ambassador's message as he bears it to men from God. This is a very interesting concept, that, that the ambassador has to be a persona grata with, with two countries, that when we come into our faith in Jesus Christ, we realize that, that we're, no, we're no longer citizens of earth, we're citizens of heath, heaven, our, our citizenship is no longer here on this earth, our citizenship is with Christ, so, so we belong to another world, and yet we are with this world so we have to remain involved and plugged in with this world. So this should help encourage hopefully some of us that that as we're in Christ and we're going out into the world where we work, where we live, where we do life outside of this place on Sunday mornings that you are an ambassador and you have this amazing incredible interterrestrial, if you will, responsibility of being an ambassador through which the message of eternity and heaven flows through into those who are still citizens of a different world. That God wants you to be, you know, persona grata with him and with this world. That means we, we don't get to be the people out making enemies. We don't get to be the people out destroying the image of God by the kind of lives that we lead, but that we are working to bring peace and, and share the love of God with those in our lives. We are Christ's ambassadors, and God has chosen to use us to make his appeal to the unbelievers. That's, that's something that, that, that I cannot do for you, that, that I cannot go into your life and be an ambassador. Only you can be that ambassador for Christ in your life. Only you can have this message of reconciliation, be reconciled to God. Whatever is keeping you from God, get back with God now. Do it now. We are Christ's ambassadors but why, why, should I, why should I live this kind of life why should I live this kind of way why should, why should I be willing to, you know, to give up you know, my idea and my pursuits and my dreams for, for this kind of life and this is the phrase that, that I hope will stick with us throughout this coming year and we're going to say this phrase probably quite a bit See, because God has so loved us, I will so love others. We want to be a church of people who are living their life because. A life lived because. A life lived because of God's love. A life lived because of the way that God has loved me. I'm living my life this way because God has loved me, and that way I cannot live my life in any other way. I have to live my life because of the way that he lived his life. So I will, because God has so loved me, live my life in such a way that I so love others. Because God has loved me, I will be his ambassador. But up until now, would you say that you've been living your life, have I been living my life because of Christ, or maybe we've been living our life in avoidance of him? Maybe we've been living our life in place of him. For some of us, we might be living our life in spite of him. And maybe this could potentially be the worst, maybe we're living our lives indifferent to him. We're numb to him. We, we've gotten used to the idea of God, and he's okay, but eh. A life lived because. A life lived because of God's love. So what are we trying to be as a church? We're trying to be love. That is exactly what we're trying to be. We're trying to be a church that loves one another radically that loves one another unconditionally that that's love is so exuberant for one another, that the world looks at it and says, hey, look at all those weirdos. They love one another so so, so strongly, so, so without question and, and without any kind of adaptation, they, they just love one another. What kind of love drives someone to love someone else? I mean, I have a lot of friends in my life, but there's no way I would love them in that way. And this is what Jesus said was going to take place in John chapter 13, verse 35, by this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's what we're trying to be as a church. We want to be a church family that that has grown so close together that the way we love one another is so radical to a world that doesn't understand it, that they are drawn into it and they want to be a part of it. We want to be love. That's who we're trying to be as a church. And love does some specific things. Love grows. Love is not indifferent. But love grows, love welcomes, and love invites. When you understand love and the limitness of, of, of God's limitlessness of God's love, then, then you understand that there's more love for everyone. And so we invite more people into that love. And because of that, we become a growing family. We want to grow as a family. We want to grow together as a family, and we want to bring new believers into the family. Another phrase that, that, that has come to mind is that, so that one more person can find a place to belong. So that one more person can find a place to belong. I thought about asking stories, and, and you should maybe share stories, that would be great, but I, I know that's, that's a pretty common theme for our church, that, that people just come here and they just feel at home. And that those who come and kind of stick, you know that's almost the number one thing that they say about why they chose to come here and stay here is because it just felt like a part of the family and that's that's what we want to have happen that that's who we want to be as a church that that we're the kind of family that brings people in but but we want to be a place to belong and kind of a you know ground zero or a, the place where you just kind of go it's it's your home base so to speak you know this is this is kind of it for us. This is where everything else circulates around. This is this is the hub of our wheel, of the wheel of our lives, that, that we are this knit together family, place to belong. And when you think about it that way, that 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 you know, you might say that about yourself. I would say that I belong here. This is how I feel. I feel like I belong here, and I know a lot of us in this room would echo that sentiment. I I belong here. This is where I belong. This is I I didn't know until I got here, but now that I am here, I belong here. This is where. I belong, and so think about those people that are, that are in your life, that are in your neighborhood, and in, in, your, in your workspace, or your family, your extended family, or just people that you know that you do life with outside of here. They probably would love to belong to a place like this, wouldn't they? We want to be a place where they can belong, where people who don't have a place to belong can come in and find a place to belong. So that's what we're trying to be as a church, a church that loves and a church that is so the one more place, so one more person can find a place to belong. To do that, we might have to adjust our thinking. To be that kind of church, we might have to change the way we've looked at church. I know I've talked about this a lot, and if you've been around here, you know that this is this is my one of my themes as a church. But we have to have a correct view of church, because too often we make church about me and my preferences. Too often church becomes about, about me and what I want, and, then, and so church becomes an experience where I'm coming to get my needs met, and, and I'm coming so that, so that the pastor will feed me, and I'm coming so that the worship team will, will play my favorite songs, and I'm coming so that my kids can get what they want in the nursery or wherever. I'm, I'm coming so that we get what we're expecting out of a church, and That's not the correct view that we are supposed to have of church. Church is not about me and my preferences. Church is about putting God first and and worshiping God. And to worship God, we have to actually humble ourselves. And when we're putting ourselves first and our preferences first, then we can't really worship God because it's not really about God. It's about me. It's about what I want. Church is about being a part of God's family. To be a part of a family, you know... You can't be all about yourself and a family, you have to serve one another or things get out of control really quickly. It's about bringing more people into the family who are desperate to belong. We have to have a correct view of church, we have to understand that church is not about me and my preferences, it's about worshiping God and loving others. That's why we've done some things to change a little bit around here. We've changed the service format a little bit. We're going to be continuing to tweak that and work and adjust that and, and work to make sure that, that we are facilitating community and we're facilitating worship, that, that we're doing what we can to, to bring our body together as one body on Sundays and, and worship together and humble ourselves before our Lord, our God, the one who made us, the one who created us. And we're doing some of these things uh, we're, we're doing like the, the, the pre-service time. It's not just to get you here on time. Of course, we want everyone to be here on time, but, but the thing is we want you to want to be here on time. We want you to want to be here every Sunday. We want you to, to want to be here and not miss what is going on, but, but we also want you to get beyond that and move a step beyond that and want to want to be here because of who you will miss and who will miss you. See, if you're just coming to church, what you get out of church then it doesn't matter if you're there if you don't feel like going then there's no big no no big deal about being there but if you're coming to church because you know there's a community that exists that you want to be a part of it if you're coming to church because there are people who are expecting you to be here because you minister to them because you are one of God's ministers and ambassadors you you minister to them and you encourage them this is this is why we have times of fellowship like we have before the service so that so that you can come together and minister to one another and encourage one another and love one another and lift one another up. And so we need to stop thinking about church as what I get out of church, but that I need to be here on Sundays because there's someone who's going to miss what God wants to do through me if I'm not there. See, it's not just about me. It's not just about what I want and what I get or my preferences, my desires the purpose of church is much bigger than a bunch of individuals coming together. So I want to ask you a question. and We're going to start to wrap up here in just a little bit. And I ask this in all in all seriousness. And you have ways to contact me. You can you can send a text message to that number. You can put a message on one of those cards and put it in the offering at the end of the service and you can send an email, I'll give you my email address it's David at six eightchurch.com the number six the number eight church.com you can send an email. but we want to be a church full of people who are living their life because a life lived because of god 's love. What can I do to help you live your life that way? I want to make myself available to you I want to be available to help you and, and encourage you and And shepherd you and pastor you and mentor you and teach you as as best I can. Of course, I can't do it for everybody, but for as much as I can do, I will do. And I want to know, is there something that I can help you Live your life because. Is there something I can do that, that I can, if I, just, if I just taught this, or if I, if I encouraged you in this way, it would help you live your life because, or there's something I haven't even thought of that's outside of Sundays, and, and it would help you live your life because of God's love, then, then I, I want to know what that is. I want to know how I can lead you in that way. I may not be able to do it perfectly. That there may be things that we have to create so that we can do those things, but we're willing to do those things because it's more important to me that we help you live your life as a follower and as an ambassador than anything else. That's my number one motive and mission as your pastor. My motive and mission as your pastor is, is not to grow a huge church, as we've said. My number one mission as your pastor is, is not, the, not the, uh, the love that I get from, from being your pastor. My number one thing as your pastor, the thing that drives me day in and day out, the thing thing that I am most passionate about, the thing thing that consumes my, my thoughts and my energy is how can I help move you out of your comfort zone to get you into a place where you're stepping on faith and you're living your life for Christ as his ambassador outside of this place? Not for my benefit, and not even for your benefit. Not even for the benefit of the people who will come to Christ as a result of us doing this, but because we want to give God all the glory. What can I do? If there's something I can do, let me know. If I, if I don't know what it is, then I can't do it, so let me know, and I want to help you as best I can, and, and we'll, do, we'll figure out how to help you together. But I want to finish up with this. We're 6-8 Church comes from this verse, Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. This is the, this is the good stuff here. This is, what is good is what's about to follow. This is what is good. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And it's not just what is good, but it's what's required of us. Is that we do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. That's who we are at 6-8 Church. We, we are 6-8. We're trying to be that kind of church. And when you live your life because, this is, this is the kind of life that you're living. You're living the 6-8 life. You, when you put God first, you're living the 6-8 life. Why? Because he first loved us, so we, so we put him first. When, when we love others, we, we're living the 6-8 life because he first loved us. How? Well, Micah 6-8. Do justice. That means doing what's right. It means showing compassion or showing mercy or, or walking humbly. This is how we should love one another. This means in relationships that, that we love one another and we, we do what's right in the relationship. And what's right is not always what's easy. But we do what's right because that's what needs to be done. That's what God has given us to do. We, we show compassion. We walk with someone in a compassionate way. We walk with someone through their pain and through their struggle. And we do it all humbly. This is how we live a life because. At work, we, we can do this. We, we live a life because at work. When we're doing what's right, then, then you know, we, we're living a life Because. You know, if your boss is asking you to cut corners and to do things that are unethical and immoral, you don't do them because this is how we live a life that shines. We, we shine by living the life that God has called us to live. We, we don't compromise our morals because our boss is pressuring us. We, we stand on the truth. In the community, we have to live our lives because even something as simple as shopping, how many of you have ever gotten too much change back or how many of you have uh, not been charged enough? And the temptation is, they don't do that, they always charge you too much. <laughs> the temptation is what to, to just kind of, oh, well, it's their mistake, too bad for them. Not too long ago, I was down at Park Rose Hardware and I was buying some, some nuts and bolts and I I bought these washers. You know, washers are ridiculously expensive for some reason, and it was like a dollar something for a washer. Needed some big washers for something I was doing, and I had I had eight of them. And I go and check out, you know, and I said, well, it kind of seems kind of low. So I go out to the car and and I uh, I look at my receipt, and she only charged me for one out of the eight. Oh well, that makes sense. (laughs) Too bad for her. And I decided, "No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back out of my car and I'm going to go back into Park Rose hardware and go back to the same clerk and say, "Hey, you didn't charge me enough. Can you, can you check this out again? Make sure that, make sure that uh, I've actually paid you what you are due so that you don't get in trouble at the end of the day for, for not doing something right?" Something as little as that is doing what's right. That's doing justice. That's, that's how we're supposed to live our lives. In community. We're supposed to do justice. And our family, even when it's hard, we're supposed to do what's right. We're supposed to live for Christ and live lives for Christ because that's the right thing to do. Even if our family is ridiculing us and, and making fun of our absurd beliefs and the things that, that they hurl our way, that doesn't mean we compromise or we hide the light, but we still shine brightly the light of Jesus Christ. We show compassion, we, we love mercy, we walk with people who are hurting, we, we love that unlovable person at work. We come alongside them, you know, what, whatever it is that makes them unlovable, we're still going to love them unconditionally. Why? Because we are Christ's ambassadors and our message is be reconciled to God. It doesn't say be reconciled to God if you are X, Y, Z. It's just everyone be reconciled to God. We're gonna spend some time Getting to know that weird neighbor. The one that everyone in the neighborhood talks about. If you don't know who that is, it's probably you. (laughs) We're going to show compassion and we're going to do everything humbly. Walk humbly in everything with our God. When we understand it is because of what Christ did that he became sin for us. He took on our sin, paid for our sin. We have no reason to brag, no reason to boast, except in the work of Jesus Christ. A life lived because looks like this. We, we pour out ourselves for the cause of Christ. We pour out ourselves like a drink offering. We are full of gratitude and thankfulness because of Christ. Christ. I've got a few specific goals I want to share with you, and then we're going to wrap up. This coming year, we've never really set goals like this before. Maybe we did early on, but um, there there are three goals that I have for us in this coming year. The first one depends entirely on all of us doing what we've just talked about. And it's not a crazy goal. I I don't have some kind of crazy goal that we want to bring a thousand people in here. I'm not... But what would, it, what would it take for us to bring one new household into our family per month next year? What would it take for us to, to bring in and welcome and love and, 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 and fold into our family one new household per month? If we broke it down, there's about 40 households already in our church. And so if we all pitched in on that, I think we could easily reach that goal of one per month. What would it take for us to bring one new household? Who, who could you start loving in this kind of a way to love into the kingdom? So that's a goal. Another goal is we want to see more new believers baptized. I love when we baptize anyone, anyone who's willing to take that public profession of faith. And if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to get baptized and, and you're just waiting for an opportunity, this is your opportunity to put that on your card. There's a card in front of you. Just say, I want to get baptized, and we'll baptize you Uh, we'll, We'll create a baptism service just for you so that we can baptize you. That's how serious we are about baptism. But we want to see new believers, people who have never known Christ, come into the faith and be baptized and stand up and publicly declare to the world around them, I am his and he is mine. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. This is my new name. This is my new identity. This last one, so we want to add a new household per month. We want to see new believers baptized. I'm not going to put a number on that one. <laughs> the last one is connect everyone who calls 6-8-HOME into a mentoring relationship. That's going to be hard. I know it's going to be hard. It's going to be extremely challenging. It's going to require a lot of our mature, experienced believers to step up in ways that we're not used to doing, some of you are already doing this, some of you are doing it on your own and meeting with people on your own, and that's awesome, so we're just going to count that good. We're not going to try to get you into something else, and we're just going to trust that God is working there, but, but there are a lot who aren't in a mentoring relationship, and we want to be constantly mentoring people in the faith and bringing up, bringing up people into the faith so that there are more people to mentor others down the road in the faith, and so we want to work hard in 2018 to connect everyone who calls 68 home into a mentoring relationship. If you're ready for that, if you say, I want to be mentored, if I want someone, I want someone to, to mentor me right now, I'm ready, then you can just put that on the card and put that in the offering as well. We're God's ambassadors. We're between worlds, between, between the, the eternal and the finite world of the people around us, and we have this amazing responsibility being his ambassador. I think it's time for us as a church, it's time for us, God has really done something amazing here. I want to to really make sure we understand that. It's easy to take that for granted, especially if you haven't been around the whole time. If you you weren't here at the beginning, you don't really appreciate where we are right now, but God has assembled a really amazing, selfless family. That's how I think of us. We, we, We are already amazing and already selfless. There are already so many here who give, of themselves in so many ways. God has already assembled it. It's it's already this amazing group of people, and we already have the grounding and the foundation the footing that we need to take another step and move out beyond ourselves, outside of our comfort zone, to see who God might want to use us to bring home. That's what we want to do. We want to bring people home. We want to bring lost people home. We want to bring the wanderers home. So as we wrap up, I want you to start thinking because there's probably a person or a family that's already come to mind that's amazing how the Holy Spirit works that way. person that maybe you've been thinking, inviting, thinking about inviting for a while and just haven't had the courage. I want to start praying for them. Maybe you have their names. You can put that on a card and we'll join you. We'll pray with you for them. And these are some prayers that you can pray that God, as we pray oftentimes here, that God would open the eyes of their heart that they would be receptive to God's love, that they would no longer be blinded by the spirit of the sage, but that they would be receptive, receptive to the love of God that's in the Bible. Start praying that God would give you opportunities to love them, to love them unconditionally like he has loved us, to, to love them in this way, to show compassion, to, to do justice, to, to do it all humbly pray that God would give you the courage to invite them to be a part of our family. And when you start praying these things, expect that God's going to give you these opportunities because he always will. Once heard a pastor share this illustration. I want to share it with us as we close. He was a, uh, he was a sailor. I don't know anything about sailing. Know nothing about sailing, but, but uh, he, he had this sailboat and he he would often go down to the harbor where the boat was, and as he was down in the harbor, this is a true story, actually a true story, this pastor actually did this. He would go down to the harbor, and he'd spend a lot of time on the boat, and he would work on the boat, and he would clean the boat, and he maybe he'd just kind of hang out on the boat. The, the boat kind of became a, a nice place to hang out, and, and over time, he actually got a reputation for, for being the guy that hangs out on his boat in the harbor until one day somebody finally came up to him and said, you know, he Hey, are you ever going to take that thing out? So, well, okay, so, he, so he, he gets on the boat, and, you know, he goes out, and he just kind of goes out, and he just, you know, just kind of motors the boat around the harbor. Just, just the safe harbor, you know, just the safe part of the harbor where he doesn't have to worry about anything. And so he does that a few times, and he comes back and hangs out at the boat, and then he goes out and just kind of goes around the harbor again and comes back and hangs out at the boat. And the guy comes back and says, you know, that's not really what I meant. I mean, are, are you ever going to take that thing out? Are you ever going to take that thing out on the water where it was built to go? Are you ever going to take that boat out and actually sail in the open waters with it? So he hemmed and hawed and said, well, I'm not quite ready for that. Will you help me? And so together they get on the boat and they get out and they, they work together as a team and they pull the ropes and whatever the fancy words are that you do when you're sailing a boat and they get out into the harbor and they sail. I think for a lot of us, we get comfortable in the harbor, right? We, we get comfortable in the safety of the harbor. It's easy to get comfortable there. It's easy to even feel like you're doing something because you're taking the boat out And you're, you're, you're motoring around, but, but really, have we ever really stepped out of our comfort zone, as we sung about earlier this morning, into the realm of the unknown and actually set foot into a place that requires faith and put the boat out into open waters? Have we, ever, have we ever stepped out beyond what we're capable of doing and saying, I can't do this on my own, I need some people to come alongside me. And, and if, if we maybe work together, this could actually take place, this could actually happen and we take that step of faith. One of my favorite quotes from the Old Testament in the King James is, be strong and courageous for the Lord thy God is with thee. And I love this last one great big long word whithersoever, whithersoever thou goest. Be strong and courageous, for your God is with you wherever you go. We cannot go anywhere. We cannot wander anywhere and be away from the presence of God. God is with us everywhere we go, so so be strong and be courageous. We we have so much behind us, supporting us and encouraging us and giving us what we need to be this kind of believer. It's time to get out of the harbor. Let's get out of our, our comfort zones. Let's get out of what we're used to and what is normal to us and take a step of faith and say, you know what, God? I believe that you have put me here on this earth to be your ambassador and it's time for me to step out and start loving people unconditionally and using what you have given me to start bringing people in to the family and, and maybe, maybe just one will come. And wouldn't that be amazing? Maybe, maybe one will come. Maybe, maybe one person you know will come. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll love three or four or five people in this radical way and, and one will come. And you know what would happen if that one came and found a family to belong to? we and you and they would celebrate. It would be amazing. And maybe, maybe, that, maybe that one will lead to someone else and your three or four to come. and Maybe over time what you'll see is that, that the love of Christ really does compel, that this is an amazing love that, that is compelling and the world that is so numb right now So numb, not even experiencing anything of life, and it comes in and shocks the life right back into him. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's what I'm dreaming for in 2018. It's so what we're going to be working hard towards. It's what we as a staff and leaders of the church are working toward. We want to see God bring new people into the family. We want to see this family grow deeper and together. We want to see you go deeper in your relationship with God. We want to see you go in places like you've never gone before. And We, we want to do whatever it is that we can to be the kind of church we've been called to be. And I just pray that you'll join us in that mission. Let's stand together. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, just if there's someone here this morning that is longing to belong, if there's someone here who has just been looking for for a home, for a church family to belong to and not even sure about what to think after this kind of a message and Just pray, Father, that you would settle that heart, settle that mind that that God brought you here for a reason. If there are those among us who who want to do this but we don't feel like we have the strength or the ability, Father, I pray that you would encourage our hearts right now to know that that you are with us wherever we go and that what you've called us to do, you will also empower us to do. We know that you will give us the strength, not only to live a holy life, but to shine the light that you will empower us to do those things. Father, I pray for courage for all of us, whatever it might be, whether it's some compromises we've made in the workplace that we need to straighten out so that we're living just lives, or there's someone we know in our workplace that really needs some mercy and some compassion and they've been off by themselves and no one wants to be with them or support them and encourage them, but you've put them on our mind and put them on our heart this morning. Father, I pray that you would compel us and empower us to do that as a body. But Father, right now, for whoever's on our mind, whoever you have brought to mind this morning, who, whoever you have put and laid on our hearts and given us a burden for in this time together this morning, I pray, Father, that you would send your spirit, the spirit of the resurrected Christ, to go and open the eyes of their heart. That you would open the eyes of their heart that they may be able to see the light, that they might be able to see the truth, that they might be able to see your love. I pray that you would pave the way, prepare the way for love. And Father, I pray for for each and every one of us as we think about going and, and loving them that you would fill us to overflowing with your love, that we would actually become love for them. That we, would, that we would become the kind of love that they need, the, the eternal, unconditional love that never changes, not the shifting, always changing love of this world, the, the indefinable love of this world, but the, but the truly definable, always existing love of God. Help us become that love, and Father, to become love for them and to love them because they're made in your image because you want to reconcile them. You want to bring them back in and remake that image into the image of Christ. I pray, Father, for all of us, for courage, for bravery, that that you would help us to be courageous ambassadors, that, that there would be nothing that we are afraid of, that there's nothing that we fear because we know the one who has conquered every fear, the one who actually commands the waves the one who commands the storms, the one who can speak and a storm would still, the one who can speak and, and can split the waters so that we walk through on dry land. We know the one who is in charge of the universe, who has authority over the stars and where they're placed in the sky. We know the one who has created it all, who has made it all, and who sustains it all. And he is the one that empowers us to live a courageous fearless life. Father, help us to live that kind of life, to be your fearless, courageous ambassadors into a world that is struggling and numb from the effects of sin. And Father, I pray that you would give us this courage to shine brightly the light of Christ into that darkness, and that it would be for your glory, and we just expect, we expect right now that you are creating opportunities. We expect that you are opening pathways and doors and communications that we might be able to have this influence that you want us to have so that you may add to your family here at 6 Eight Church. Father, let us be the kind of people that live our lives because of the great love that we have received, in Jesus' name,